The slogan that they come up with is, God is able, nothing is impossible. That's right, man. God is able, nothing is impossible. Amen. Amen. So they'll carry that slogan through the year for the Potter's House, because God is able. Amen. And nothing Amen. is impossible Amen. with God. To God be the glory. Amen. He is worthy. He yeah. is worthy. Yeah. It has been an awesome week. Here, there has been a, a shift in the atmosphere in this church. Uh, the prayer has has made a lot of difference. There's people that are here. They're praying for you every single day. Every single day. We didn't take Wednesday morning off and then we added Friday night. So it became quite a thing. This morning's message is fire from heaven. Leviticus 6.13 tells us a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Leviticus mentions several times in the scripture that the fire on the altar is to burn continuously. Yeah. And they do that because God wanted a perpetual fire there. Yeah. And he has to have a reason for it. One reason is that fire is directly connected to God. And it was started by God. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord. It consumed the burnt offerings, the fat portions on the altar. And when the people saw those things, they fell down and shouted for joy. And they fell on their face. The fire on the altar, therefore, has served as a constant reminder of God's power. And it is a gift from heaven. Some brothers and the sisters in this church, like I said, they've been praying faithfully every single day. We've had a group here four or five mornings in a week that continued all through the COVID outbreak. When people weren't here, when they were sick, there was still people coming and praying. Amen. There were still people interceding for you. Amen. Those prayer warriors never let the fire go out on this altar. They never let the fire go out. And God sees their faithfulness. God knows who they are. That fire that's burning on this altar Amen. is of God 
And these people will never let it go out. They will never let it go out. There's people that live distances from here that have been praying for us. There's people from other countries, other nations that are continuing to pray with us and keep us in prayer. They're praying that the fire from heaven falls in this place. It consumes our sacrifice. It burns away the impurities. You know, Pastor Chris talked about this morning that the chair we have. Everybody gets excited to sit in the chair. They want their turn. But as they were praying for me Friday night, the the Lord spoke to me. And he told me, he said, you have to change your message. Because this wasn't the message I had prepared. He said, your worship leader gave you a set of songs, and I'm going to give you the message that goes with those songs. And I said, okay. Wow. Amen. And he gave me this message, and I put it together yesterday. Amen. Wow. Amen. A fire from heaven. Now Moses started out, he witnessed God. He witnessed God as a fire in a burning bush. A bush burning, but never consumed. Just a fire. God chose to reveal himself to Moses as a fire. God's fire needs to burn within us. It needs to be a constant reminder of who we serve. It needs to be a constant movement within us to continue to go. God used Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. But God uses you, each and every one of you, to lead people out of bondage, out of the bondage of sin, out of the filth of the world. That's what you've been chosen to do. That is your calling. And each of you have a different gift in the way that you go about it. Some in your workplace, some in a supermarket just made Give a smile and say, bless you to someone and just change their day. Some of you are good at just saying to someone, hey, can I pray with you today? And that little prayer just changes their life. But God uses each and every one of you in your unique and own separate and private way. John the Baptist tells us in Matthew, he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. We all know we need to repent. But then he says, he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
And that's just what God did. And that's just how Jesus came upon us. He baptized us with the Holy Spirit. He baptized us with fire. God is a consuming fire. The Shekinah glory is visible as a fire at the altar. This is the ongoing presence of God and it reminds us of the salvation of the Lord. We are all been saved by Christ through our faith. It's our faith in Jesus that saves us. Amen. It's not anything good that we do. When Solomon was dedicating the temple, in 2 Chronicles, you find, he says, when Solomon finished praying, it says, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I'm sure you could feel the glory of the Lord this morning as they led you into worship. Amen. Fire burns away all the impurities, and we all have those. We all have things that God needs to burn off of us. We all have things that God needs to get rid of that are parts of us. Paul tells us, he says in Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. How many of us can actually say we're doing that? Are we holy? Are our hearts right towards our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning? Is ourselves acceptable to God? Can he look down and and say, okay, you're acceptable, I accept you today. Or no. We have to be acceptable to God. That's who we are. Amen. That's what we were created for. Amen. You may have thought you were created to go live in a big house and have lots of money and drive a nice car. You were not. You were created to worship God. Amen. That's the only reason you exist. And if you won't do that, what? why does God need you? He doesn't. And he doesn't know you. You either do what you were created to do, or God doesn't know who you are. He doesn't care. In 1 Kings, we find a story... And you're all familiar with this. We've talked about it many, many times. But it talks about Ahab, who sent for all the children of Israel. And he gathered all the prophets on Mark Carmel. And the prophet Elijah came. And he said to the people, he says, how long are you going to falter between two opinions? 
In other words, how long are you going to swing and sway between God and the world? How long are you going to do this? Because your sacrifice is not acceptable to God if you're doing that. If you're letting the world guide your steps, you're not acceptable to God. He won't use you. He won't bless you. He won't even communicate with you. So Elijah says that. So they have the prophets of Baal there, and Baal just represents the world today. I mean, there were all kinds of gods of Baal. And Elijah says this, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. So if you believe that God, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, is our God, then follow him. But if you believe money, houses, riches is your God, then follow it. This is what Elijah's saying. He says, if you believe those things, that's fine, follow it. Because scripture tells us there is no gray area. You either belong to God or you belong to Satan. You belong to one or the other. And unfortunately, there's people sitting in churches all over this country, all over this world, who belong to Satan. They got no business claiming to be Christians. And God knows that. So here's Elijah. Now there's 450 prophets of Baal. There's another 400 prophets from the world side. So there's 850 altogether against Elijah. I mean, the odds are stacked up. If you're a gambler, you know, you look at the odds, one against 850. Jeez, who should I bet on? Well, David should have taught you a lesson very well later. So Elijah says, therefore, give us all two bulls. Let us choose the ones for ourselves. Let us cut them into pieces. Let's prepare them to lay them on the altar under the wood, under a fire. He said, let's prepare our sacrifice. So he says to the prophets of Baal, then you call upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, he is God. So the people answered, and the people from Israel said, it's well spoken. So in other words, they're saying, okay, that's a great idea, Elijah. That's what we'll do. So he tells the prophets of Baal, go ahead, pick the bull for yourself, prepare it. Get your fire going, it's morning. Get the morning altar, go. So the prophets go and they're going, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. There was no answer. And then the prophets started leaping around the altar, jumping and shouting. And then noon comes, because they've already been doing this for uh, several hours now. So Elijah starts to mock them. 
Now you know he knows God's with him. Because he's outnumbered and he's making fun of him now. Amen. He said, cry out loud for your God. Maybe he's meditating. Or maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on a journey. Perhaps he's sleeping. Maybe you better wake him up. So they cried even louder. And then they began cutting themselves, which was their custom. So they're cutting themselves with knives and lances until it says the blood gushed out of them. And midday has passed, and they prophesied until the time of the evening offering. And yet there was no answer from the prophets of Baal. There was no answer of the God of Baal. No one answered. No one paid attention. So Eliza says to all the people, he says, come near to me. He wants them to gather around. He wants to see what's going on. So the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob. And then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it. It was a large, large altar. It could hold two sheaves of seed. And he put wood in order. And he cut the bull in pieces. He laid it on the wood. And then he says to the people, fill up the four water pots. And pour it on the sacrifice. And he said, do it again. Do it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. Drench it one more time. This is the altar. This is the sacrifice. Picture yourself as this sacrifice. In the world, it's just dumping stuff on you. And dumping stuff on you. And dumping stuff on you. And Elijah just said as the water ran around. Then he called on the name of the Lord. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all things according to your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, that you have turned your hearts back to them. The fire of the Lord fell, and it consumed the sacrifice, and the wood and the stones and the dust, it even licked up the water out of the trenches. And when people saw that on their faces, they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. This is what you need to be saying. The Lord, he is God. But you have to be acceptable. You have to be acceptable. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it said, Then there appeared divided tongues as of fire, 
And it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The fire fell on each of them. Just like when you call upon the name of the Lord, the fire falls upon you. Amen. If you are truly his. Amen. So every time the world comes at you and dumps something on you. Every time the world, the spirit of darkness, the prince of the air, puts something on you, tries to convince you to walk away from God, to live in wickedness, to commit a sin, to live in sin. They're trying to soak your sacrifice. You need to get on your knees. You need to get on your knees and call down the fire from heaven. You need to call down the fire from heaven. And it will consume it. And it will burn away that stuff. It will burn away those impurities. You're sitting with a health issue. Maybe you got high blood pressure. They got a ticker that isn't ticking quite right. <laughs> I don't know. I have to go in in a couple weeks and have my pacemaker changed. They said they're going to change the battery, but you can't change the battery. They're sealed units, so you got to get a whole new one. Sister Susan's been fighting health issues. Some of you have been fighting with diabetes, with, with heart issues, with other things. You want to defeat those issues? Then you put them on the altar. And you call down the fire of heaven. Amen. And you let God consume it. Amen. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your workplace. Maybe it's time they give you a rage. You've been there so long. You've been doing a good job. Maybe your boss is always on your case. I know where Rose works, she's been through more managers than anybody I can think of. She gets a new manager in the deli. She gets a new assistant manager. She gets a new store manager. She gets a new customer service manager. She just goes through managers. So maybe you're fighting a battle there. Maybe a coworker is not treating you right. Maybe something in that workplace is just causing friction. But you need to put that on the altar. Amen. Amen. Just like we put things on the altar in the morning. You put it on the altar. You call down the fire of heaven. And you let God consume it. Amen. Maybe you need a financial breakthrough. I mean, I see people post everybody's complaint. MPL went up. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, the air conditioner to get replaced in this place was $6,200. But I praise God, we had a landlord that said, hey, you paid $1,500, I'll pay the rest. That's a financial breakthrough. Because it says in our lease, we are responsible for all. All repairs, maintenance, and everything. The landlord said, hey, you pay $1,500. I mean, with the price of gasoline, it's hard for people. Food went up, gas went up. Everything goes up. You need that financial breakthrough. You know what to do. Lay it on the altar. Cast your burdens upon Jesus. Amen. And let the fire of heaven come down and consume it. Let the fire of heaven consume it. Maybe you need a breakthrough in a relationship there. With a friend, with a co-worker, like I said. With a spouse, who knows? Maybe somebody in one of the groups you're in. There's friction. You need to fix that. Jesus said we got to forgive each other 70 times 70. Which is basically all the time. We're not supposed to hold malice towards one another. We're to love our neighbors. So maybe you have a neighbor. I mean, we had a, I got a neighbor who lives next door to me. And her boyfriend is, well, he's a character. (laughs) Put it that way. When he goes to the pool, he takes a cooler with a bottle of whiskey and away he goes. And the more whiskey he has, the louder he gets. So this morning at 10 minutes to 7, he's out there beeping because he's been gone. He's been up in New Jersey. And he, he's just beeping the horn so she can hear him. And, and he's shouting, I'm home, I'm home. <laughs> or I'm back, I'm back, he's going. <laughs> it's quarter to 7 in the morning on a Sunday. <laughs> God tells us I'm going to know my disciples by their fruit I'm going to know my disciples by loving one another I said to Rose he's out there beeping away she goes well the lady's name is Maureen. She said, well, Maureen's happy luck. Good for her. (laughs) But whatever it is, I mean, there's always issues that we have. We're human beings. Pride gets in our way sometimes. We become very prideful, very snippy. When I worked in the phone cards and I managed, it was very easy to say to the people under me, it's my way or the highway. And don't let the door hit you and then you know what on your way out. Because I had no problem firing somebody. 
I mean, we had a line of people almost every day that wanted jobs. So it was not a problem. That's not God's way. So we have to learn to leave those things and put them on the altar. And we need to call down the fire of heaven and let it consume all that. Let it burn away all those impurities. Let it teach us to live the way God would have us to live. You know, every day, we make several decisions. You made a decision this morning to get up and come to church. You made a decision to drive your car. You made the decision to eat breakfast and you ate breakfast. You, made, you make decisions all the time. Some of them very simple. Some of them very routine. Some of them just habits. I mean, you know you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you do things like that. You do some breath of But then there's other decisions that could majorly affect your life. It could change how you live from today until you go into eternity. There's those kind of decisions that you need to put on the altar. It's those kind of decisions that you need to say to God. If you're God, if you're my God, then guide me in this decision. Don't let me make it out of the worldly flesh. Do not make desires, be decisions because of your flesh. Because if you do, they're going to cause nothing but heartache. I had a friend I used to work with in Miami. He'd been married like four times. It's like 35. Wow. Because he loved to go to Vegas. <laughs> and he would meet somebody in Vegas and he'd marry him. <laughs> and he'd bring him home and a couple, within a couple of months, they realized that this ain't working. <laughs> it was back to Vegas, quickie divorce. <laughs> Some people never learn. But you gotta make decisions. What kind of automobile am I gonna purchase? It's not a decision you just go to the dealership and say, oh, I like the color of that. <laughs> Salesmen love to hear that. <laughs> I sold automobiles when a customer came in and said, hey, I really like that red car. My, oh, that's gorgeous. Well, and the wife would go, yeah, that's really nice. You know, and then you, well, can't you just picture yourself behind the wheel? You know, it, you knew you had a sale. And you knew you could sell it for top dollar. Because they already told you they liked it. Right, right. 
So you just start using language. Okay, well, when you take your new car home, your car, it's no longer mine, it's yours now. You people are precious in the sight of God. Not only did he create each and every one of you, but he loves each and every one of you. Thank you, Lord. You are holy and righteous in his sight through your faith in Jesus Christ. So before you make some of those decisions that could really, really alter your life, put them on the altar. Let the fire of God call down the fire of heaven. Call down the fire of heaven on it. And say, God, what shall I do? Let God steer the way. Maybe you have strongholds in your life. Soul ties. Things that are holding you from being all God would have you be. Because some of you are just starting to walk into a newness that God has for you. Others are going into another level. God is going to take you from where he has you right now and elevate you even more. Because he wants more of you than what he has. He's going to increase your calling. He's going to increase your gifting. To be all and to be more. But some of those strongholds. You have a stronghold, I'm stubborn. I'm quick to anger. I mean, those are strongholds that are hard to get rid of. But those are things that I have to surrender to God. I can't be what you call a hardhead. Because God won't honor them. I was brought up this way. It was better to ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> it was better to ask forgiveness than permission. It's a lot easier. You ask somebody, oh, can I do this? Well, no, not really. You can just go do it and say, hey, I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> but we all have strongholds. We all have issues and, and yep. things that we hold on to. Yep. And then look at Sarah. There's Sodom. And she came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. She had a whole future ahead of her. She had something that God had prepared. Something that God would have her do. She had a real calling, but she couldn't let go of the past. She couldn't let go of it. 
And she looked back. God turned her into a pillar of salt. We all have strongholds we deal with. We all have little soul ties that are tying us, and they bind us every now and then. We need to lay those on the altar. Amen. We need to cover those. Amen. And we need to call down the fire of heaven to consume them. Amen. And they be no more. God is a consuming fire. The prince of darkness, the prince of the air, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, yeah he was the worship leader in heaven. If you read some of the old Jewish writings, they have him covered in a robe of diamonds and sapphires and jewels. That when God's glory just shone on him. It just reflected back even more the light, the glory, the power of God. According to these old Jewish writings, he couldn't handle that. He wanted that glory for himself. So he and a third of the angels got cast down out of heaven and they reside here on earth and they put in front of you depending on your closeness with God temptations you get into spiritual warfare the closer you get to God the more the warfare there's probably some of you in this place never experienced spiritual warfare. If you haven't, then you know you're not really doing what God wants you to do. You have no relationship with Jesus. Because you're not that important to the devil that he's going to attack you so hard that you're going to have to fight. But others of you know what it is to be in a spiritual battle. And if you don't know, you've got to be prepared because the battle could come tomorrow. It could come this afternoon. Because as your walk gets stronger with God and the more you chase after Jesus, the more you go after Jesus, the more the enemy's going to try to pull you back into the world. So as you face those things, whether you've done it a hundred times or whether this is your first battle. It is a battle. You've got to lay it before the Lord. You've got to put it on the altar. You've got to tell God, God, I'm in this battle. The enemy is tempting me with this. Now don't confuse temptation with testing. Because God will put you in a situation to test you. He'll put you in a circumstance and say, let's see how he or she handles this. If she's truly or he's truly my disciple, it'll go this way. 
But if he or she still needs work, it's going to go that way. But if it's a temptation, you know, like those wagons in New York City where they dangle the carrot in front of the horse. Yeah, the enemy's dangling something that you've always desired in front of you. You've got to take that temptation and you've got to put it at the foot of the cross. Amen. And you've got to call down the fire of heaven Amen. to consume it. Just like Elijah did, you've got to call down the fire because God is God. Amen. In Exodus chapter 33, it says Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the Tabernacle of Meetings. And it says it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the Tabernacle of Meetings. So it was whenever Moses went to the tabernacle, all the people rose. It said each man stood in his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And then a pillar of a cloud descended on the door. And the Lord came in and talked with Moses. This is what happens in your prayer life. You get into that prayer closet. You get into that morning of prayer. You get into that time with God. And a pillar of a cloud of God just comes and encompasses you. Hallelujah. A pillar just comes. It said all the people that saw the pillar, they rose in their own tents. They stood by their own doors and they worshiped God. This is what we have going on in the mornings in our prayer. That person that sits in that chair, that cloud is just coming on them. The glory of God is falling on them because we're calling his presence. And they're worshiping him. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people. But you have not let me know who you will send with me. You said, I know you by name. You have found grace in my sight. So Moses said, therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know that I find grace in your sight. The Lord answers him and says, My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. God says that to each and every one of you when you call upon his name. He says, My presence will go with you. I will give you rest. What does that mean? It means he will give you peace. Amen. Amen. He will bring you joy, but his presence will go with you. 
But you've got to call upon his name. So Moses says, okay, your presence is going with me. So Moses says this. He says, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, taking the people out of Egypt. For you have found my grace in my sight. I know you by name. And he says, please show me your glory. He asked God, please show me my glo your glory. And God said, hey, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll tell you it's me. I will be gracious to whom? And gracious. And I will have compassion on those that you have compassion. And God said, but you can't see my face. For no man shall see my face and live. But here is a place by me, and I shall pass, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be, while my glory passes, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand as I pass by. And then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face will not be seen. This is what God says to you. He says this to each and every one of you. You want to see my glory? You want to see my glory? I'm going to go with you everywhere. I'm going to go with you everywhere. You want my presence to go with you? You ask me. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You have God dwelling within you. You realize you take the Holy Spirit with you if he's dwelling in you everywhere you go. Whether you're sinning or whether you're not, you've got the Holy Spirit going along for the ride. But God says, Moses says to God, I want to see your glory. I want to know what that's like. I want to feel the weightiness, the heaviness of your glory. God says, okay. My presence is coming with you. I'll show you my glory. But I'm putting my hand over your face as I pass by. Because no one can see my face in there. Moses refused. You guys can come on up. Moses refused to go anywhere. Anywhere. Thank you, Lord. He refused to go anywhere. Let's stand. Come on, get on your feet. The glory of the Lord is in the house. The glory of the temple is in the house. Moses said, I'm not going anywhere without you. God led the people, and he'll lead you. Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. 
Don't go anywhere without God. Don't go anywhere. Don't make any decisions. If you had something this morning that you need to lay down on the altar, I don't need to know what it is, but you need to come and, and just bring it here. Bring it here and come and call down your own fire. Call down the fire of heaven upon you. Because I know there's things that you all have to release. I know there's things you need to call down. It's not just me. There isn't a person in this house that doesn't have things that God's got to take care of. Don't be so prideful that you don't think them darkly. Just come and call down the fire of heaven upon you. bring down the fire as they cast their burdens down Lord whatever their situations are they face Lord oh Lord let them burn it away Lord
fall down the fire of heaven. Let the fire of heaven cover whatever burdens you this morning, whatever burdens you're carrying, whether they're in your health, your workplace, your relationships, your finances. Oh, fall down the fire of heaven upon them. Let God consume those things. Oh, 